to the At Our Best podcast with me, Jason Moore, and Dr. C.K. Bray. Now, this is the podcast where we talk with insanely interesting people about the many ways we can all be, well, at our best. In this week's episode, we chew the fat with our BFF, leadership expert, and retired Kelvin Klein underwear model, Paul Morris, about the extraordinary, enduring power of friendship. Remember to subscribe and click on those five stars if you like what you're listening to. Hey Chris, how are you doing today? Oh Jason, it is a good day. We have a great podcast on friends and we have a really good friend on. So this is this is gonna be a good day. Yeah. We do. But I'm thinking about friends, when I think of you, Chris, and I think, you know, how sort of shallow and, and nerdy and self-absorbed you are, I, I wonder if Good you looking. even have friends. I mean, are you the kind of person that makes friends? No, I pay them off. So if you're my friend, you get a lot of fringe benefits. <laughs> well, I don't have any of those. So clearly, I'm neither your friend nor something else. <laughs> Well, of course I'm kidding, Chris. You are such a lovely man, and you are none of those things. And I know that you'll have lots of friends. And we have a friend in common, and that is our yes, guest do. today. He's a beautiful friend. Now, I, if I were going to describe this person, I would say... Why are you looking at your notes when you say this? When yes, you, I am. You can't see this, but he's checking his notes on how he describe this person. I, I have to, because I, I have to describe you in a way that's uh, that's acceptable for, for family audiences. You know Jay Shetty, the, the handsome uh, podcaster guy? Um, he's like that. You know, he's, he's soulful. Uh, he's, uh, he's funny. He's creative. He, he doesn't have the thousands and millions of followers. doesn't have the money. He doesn't have the good looks. But do you know what I mean? He's got He's got something. He's got, what, what is that something? I do not know, but we're going to find out, I hope, in the next 30 minutes. Welcome to our podcast, Paul Morris. It is a pleasure to be here, Jason and Chris. Thank you so much. Uh, J I, Jason, I am curious. Do you have, like, my name on a big card over your head somewhere, just to remind you from time to time? Like I do, I, and I'm in danger of calling you Morris at some point, because uh, we're not that close. <laughs> We're not that close at all. No, I'm very excited to be here. Great to have this conversation. I'm here downtown Toronto, Canada, in my 700 square foot Zoom prison, so to speak, over the last year. But uh, definitely excited to have this conversation. I'm hey, who am I kidding? I'm excited to have any contact with any human being right now. I live by myself, so in lockdown. So this is good stuff. Well, then you are definitely the perfect person to bring in and as an expert on friendship. By the sound of things, but tell tell us, Paul, for, from your perspective, seriously, what what makes a good friend? So if I so you should know something about me right off the bat. I am an extrovertaholic, so I am the guy that was just like oh webs of relationships and people. So uh, as I'm older, I'm not as old as Jason, and certainly not as old as Chris, but. I, as I'm getting older, I'm having, I, my view of friendship is absolutely changing. What makes a good friend? Those people that show up, those people that are, it's cliche, in there in the hard times. I think of the, the kind of some of the dips and the valleys over the years and those people that have been present, uh, those people that have been dependable, 
those for me are the people that matter the most. And as I get older, they're the people I definitely am prioritizing the most. I'm less interested in the big network and the wide variety. And I'm more interested in those people that I can really look to and connect and rely and trust in. Yeah. Chris, do you agree or is, do you have a different definition of friendship? No, I, I absolutely agree. And I will say something about Paul that I've learned is getting to know Paul over the last two years and having traveled a bit with Paul for some work events is, I mean, he is an extrovert, but when you're with him, you feel like you're his best friend. So I don't know if he's just lying to me, you know, or whatever, but you just feel like when you're with him, you are his best friend, which I think is a talent and is helpful in helping make friends and making those social connections is he does, you know, really connect with you, get to know you and why we have him on the podcast today. Yeah. Okay. So, so what's the problem then? So is it true then that it's easy to make friends and that, you know, it just comes naturally or is it more difficult and do some people find it harder? I guess from my seat, I, well, it's really interesting. Again, we talk about this kind of, when I was younger, I found it perhaps easier. Um, like I said, extroversion. So I was never shy about making those connections. But some of the things I'm looking at and some things I'm understanding about friendship is I think it does get more challenging. I, you know, I am a single person and, you know, life stage is a huge factor. I've got my best friends in the world, you know, as they move into that stage sometimes of family and responsibilities. And for myself and my own career, the last eight years, like uh, Chris and Jason, I in a previous life traveled quite a bit pre-COVID-19. And so there seems to be some more of those barriers that can just make it more difficult to establish those deeper connections. Um, so I, I think that is the challenge is, is my sense and maybe fewer places to find natural affinities, uh, connection points, meeting places as life takes over and busyness takes over less energy resources that I want to necessarily go out and go to those places where you'd make connection. So that's my sense. I, I don't know. What, what about you guys? What have you experienced? I mean, I think the last year has made things even more difficult to, to make friends because we're all doing this now through cameras and the places that I would have said I made my friends just aren't there anymore. So, you know, work, travel, connections that just doesn't think, well, I mean, work exists, but we're not meeting up anywhere. We're not bumping into each other. We're not spending time together. I think that makes, I feel like that makes it harder to, to, to make new friends. See, I, I agree with that. And it, if you look at a lot of the research that's coming out now, it's saying that before we made friends with people at work or in your neighborhoods, I mean, as a married guy with lots of kids, lots of people we hung out with were the parents of our kids' friends. And so it's like you almost had these automatic friends built in, whether or not you know you had that much affinity or, or that much in common. Whereas now the research is saying we've lost so much of that that we're having to relook at friendships and how we make friendships and who they are and decisions of whether to keep them. And and like Paul said at the beginning, you know whether or not they're really the true friends that we want to hold on to because you know, research shows that we change friends every five years if they're not those kind of true friends who are there during the hard times. Oh, thank goodness. So I can... I can do some swapping then, uh, is what I'm hearing for some of those duds. Or maybe I'm a dud. Maybe I'm not self-aware and I'm being swapped. So, Yeah, see, Paul, you didn't read what was going on in the chat. And, and both oh. Jason and I were like, yeah, read the swap, room, buddy. swap read the Paul room. out. 
<laughs> well, and I, and I wonder too, you know, the three of us are, are in the learning space and connecting with people. And I think that affords us, you know, some, some skills to rely on. I'm making connection, having conversations about empathy and things that matter. That's kind of our, our bread and butter, so to speak. And I wonder as well if there's a, a, a theme here where it's difficult in particular, I would say for some men who perhaps have not been as accustomed or climatized to these deep conversations about feelings and purpose. And that's not, in my experience, that wasn't the no, the normative you know, experience of, of younger men in particular to explore these things where I think a lot of friendship can be forged, like a connection. You know, there's the affinity friendships, which is, hey, we're doing sports together. We're doing, not me. I'm not a sporty guy for sure. But we'd often find, I think, those natural affinity places. But for me, those deeper friendships are found in that place of sharing, that place of vulnerability, of kind of like minds and hearts and struggle get together. And I wonder if that for, is difficult more for men than it is for women who I think are in general, these are generalities, have stronger skills of connecting in that way, connect not not as many inhibitions to talk about what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they care about. And I, I wonder if that's a place where really deep friendship is, is formed having, or at least those are the kinds of friendships I'm more interested in as I get older, uh, really getting to the stuff of substance. I don't know. Am I have to lunch on that or what are some of your thoughts? No, I, I would agree. I notice my wife who's not a social person seems to though have a whole different set of skill set around making friends keeping friends and being friends with people than I than I ever did. What's your experience, Chris? Do you find you obviously got a wife and you've got um, younger adult daughters? Do you think that men are sort of at a disadvantage in our capability to to build those friendships? Well, I, I think and I you know you hate to talk in generalities like like Paul mentioned, but I do think I mean having five daughters, they're so good. And it seems to be built in and innate for a lot of them just to build those social relationships and conversations so easily. I would say for me, especially, you know, I'm, I'm 51, that I think I had misconceptions about friendship. And so I had friends and we, you know, would do certain things together, you know, maybe play sports or go watch a sporting event. And I'll never forget when we were all together for one of the first times. We didn't know each other that well. But we got in such a deep conversation that I remember leaving thinking, Okay, I didn't realize there were people who liked to talk about things like this, mm. you know, just like feelings and, you know, where do we want to go with our careers. And, and it was interesting in taking that back home that some men were wanting and willing to do that. And some men were like, no, no way. So I think that we're learning what friendship means to each of us in our own way. I know that there's some, you know, guys I'm friends with don't want to have those conversations. They just want to go out and have fun and not think about, you know, the hardships of work or family issues. And there are others who are like, I would really like to have those deeper conversations that I don't have with, you know, other other men. Yeah. And, and maybe we're kind of slanting towards the men focus there. And maybe maybe then do do you think uh, we have different friends for different things? I do. I do. And and let me let me just throw in a little neuroscience here in, into this. But we know I mean, there's a whole realm of neuroscience called social cognitive neuroscience that deals with how we build friendships and really our, our social lives. And, and Matthew Lieberman, who's one of the leaders of, you know, kind of the thought leaders in this realm, has shown that we have what's called the default network. So if, if, you're, if you're doing some cognitive task at work or math or something that causes you to really think, 
that when you finish that task, what happens is your brain automatically goes to the default network. But what happens, and this is shown through brain scans and electrodes and all those um, fMRIs that show that your brain becomes active, but what you're thinking about in the default network, and this is fascinating, is you're thinking about yourself and you're thinking about others and your relationship and how you fit in the community. Now, initially, Matthew, Dr. Lieberman thought, oh, if people have a minute or two minutes or three minutes, that's what they think about. But in further tests, this is recently in the last probably five, six years, that even if you have six, seven, eight, ten 10 seconds of that default network, your brain immediately goes to things like, oh, you know, okay, here I am with, Jay, with Jason and Paul. Are they liking what I say? Am I involved? You know, what am I thinking about what I say? Am I connecting with them? That even in that 10 seconds, we're socially always hopefully very aware of whether we're fitting in or not, which then creates a dichotomy because think about socially, we want to fit in, but then also in a lot of ways, we don't want to fit in, we want to stand out. So there's kind of that competition going on, but it's important for us from back to the dark ages, you know, we're, we are a social animal who wants to connect. Yeah. And I would imagine from an evolutionary perspective to, as well, I mean, friendship represented safety and security the village kind of connecting together and offering that, that source of uh, social support. Uh, I've just been uh, this particular year, which of course I think for many people has been really challenging uh, looking at some of the work of Dr. Bill Mitchell uh, on resilience. And he identifies certain dimensions that are really important to our resilience and our, our well-being. And he, he calls out this idea of social support as being uh, a key facet of uh, that, whether it's connection, care, intimacy, or just that support that who's that person you think of when it's like, if I had to move tomorrow, who would I call? And to offer that, which I think is so important. And, you know, I think we've take, we sometimes take that for granted. It requires intentionality and investment. Uh, and uh, I've been really challenged this past year just to be more conscious of that because I need that. I've, I've recognized my need more than ever for that uh, connectivity and that safety. I think something you were saying there, Chris, sparked for me that my deepest friends, and going back, Jason, to your original question, for me, friendship are those people I feel safe with. And it doesn't mean, I, I certainly don't feel safe in the sense of, I, I, you know, I don't mind getting ribbed and, and joked. That's actually a part of the joy of friendship. But ultimately, for both of you, I you know feel a level of safety. And so you know who I am, all my faults, the good, the bad, the ugly, and there is a security that comes with that as well. Yeah, we, we've got your back. My problem with friendship is this, and, and obviously it's less so now because we're not getting around as much, but when we three used to travel a lot, go different places, work with different people, I kind of, as soon as I meet people, if I feel like we get on well, I just like, there's a button in me that says, well, then we're friends. And, and I, you know, I, I talk a lot about, oh, I've got this buddy that does this or does that. But what I've recognized over the years is that, well, actually, it it's, hasn't been agreed. It's just kind of been in my head that, that I've decided we're friends. And there needs to be more to it than that. I mean, obviously not a written contract or anything, but there a level of friendship. There's a continuum of friendship. And um, there, there needs to be more building of that trust, building of that connection before they are the people who would be there for you and would have your back in those moments. I, I think it's Brené Brown that talked about um, micro de deposits that create trust or engender trust. 
just as you said that, Jason, I think of some of my closest friends. And one of the moments when I knew these were people that I are true friends and I have to invest in. It, it was an example. My, my grandmother passed away. The funeral was quite a ways away. It was a few hours out of town. And without me knowing, I was at the funeral service and they just showed up. Like they, they just simply were there. And it was a lightning bolt moment for me. Like you say, yeah, I would have of course called them friends before. Yeah, yeah, my, my friend Krista, my friend Matt. But when they showed up, it was a cementing. Something happened in, the, in my uh, brain that locked them in and say, oh, these are, these are my people. Like these are my people and I need, to prior- I need to create space and make sure I'm prioritizing them because of what they've just demonstrated here. And I think it's important. And I don't want to say you want to test it because you're not want to test friendship. But Jason, you you gave me an insight. Is I had a, a lifelong friend. I mean, roommates in college, friends in high school, and we were both in the working world. And I remember like five or six months had gone by, and you know we evolve as people and evolve as friends. And I thought it's interesting that it seems like the last probably 15, 20 times I've called him, and he's never called me. I'm just gonna stop and see when he calls. And it was like three years before he got, and that was a hard thing for me because like you said, I immediately thought we were friends and we were there for each other. We'd been in each other's weddings and, and I realized maybe I thought differently than he thought. And, and that was a good lesson for me in that, boy, I need to be giving and doing, but also like, like you said, Paul, it needs to be reciprocal in that they're there for me to help cement that relationship. And it's worth spending time and investing time in that, that individual. A true friend. That's interesting because if, as, particularly as we get older, we have uh, fewer slots for our friends, we better make sure that those slots are filled with the people who are absolutely bringing something to the relationship and also someone who can receive what we've got to give back. For me, I'm, I am one of those wider network guys. That's just my personality. And I, you know, it can, I, I carry that where I go and connect with people. But I kind of see these concentric circles where there's people I have affinity and connection, but there is a core group that I'm realizing, as, as you say, as I get older, that I have to invest in. I, I need to proactive, not just wait for them to support, uh, but I need to invest. And that also means that there's friends that I, I've also said it's okay if, I don't, if I'm not keeping the same level of attention and energy to because you, you, we have a limited amount of that energy um, to go around. So I think there is a sense of needing to prioritize and to actively invest with appreciation for checking in just those simple, simple mechanisms. And, and for the listeners, let's put a number to it. The Dunbar number. What does the Dunbar number say that really you can only have, what is it about five really good close friends is about, you know, in the busyness of life and, and family and things like that, that really you can have about five close friends. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And, and I have been thinking um, over the last year about that number, I mean, five to 10. And are the people who I would consider um, the five to 10 closest people, are they, um, are they all right to be in that slot? And, and are there other people I should be bringing into my friendship zone? Uh, because I think our friends tell us a lot about us too, don't they? Like who are the people in our, in our friendship network? It sort of, for me, it tells me a lot about who I am. And sometimes I think about who I want to be. And will all of those friends help me get to, to the person I want to be? And do I need other people to 
bring into my friendship network to help me be that person. And and so what what might be some of the what might be some of the things that we could do if we do want to widen our friends network and and to deepen the relationships that we might have with some of the people on the periphery that we could we could bring in a little closer. Yeah, one of the words that comes to mind is having the courage to connect with people. And what I mean by that, I, I learned a really powerful lesson in my late 20s. I kind of needed to, I did my find myself in Europe trip and I went back uh, and I was actually on the island of Jersey uh, in Europe and I was super lonely. I was, I was staying with my cousins and I, I was feeling the absence of relationship. I was away from my friends and I was a p- part of a, a social uh, kind of circle, but I was desperate to connect with people. And I will never forget that one of the, this guy one time reached out and called me up and said, hey, do you want to go for a beer? And the, to be honest, I, I didn't think we had a whole lot in common or affinity, but the fact that he took the courage just to reach out, to step out and do that made such an impact on me. And uh, I've never forgotten that. So I, I wonder if, as, as you say, it's for some of us easier said than done, but it does require a little bit of courage. I think that step to reach out and you're, you're making yourself vulnerable because maybe it's not going to be reciprocated, you know, or maybe it's not going to prioritize, or maybe it's not the right time. But I do think it requires that uh, getting out of their comfort zone, reaching out to that, that person. Hey, do you want to get together? Hey, do you want to? And it's amazing how quickly we go back to our childhood thinking, am I going to get rejected? Are they going to want to hang out? As you say, are they going to want to hang out with me? But it, but when that's happened, when people have done that for me, I have found, I've just found such deep appreciation and I also think it's scary to let some people go. And I'm not saying that yeah. you let them go and you don't ever talk to them again, but you've considered them a good friend. And then you're realizing that time and experiences and whatever has changed. That, that's, a, I think, a scary thing to do to let go of that habit or, you know, that we've had for so long of the same people. Comfortable. It's just comfort, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because Jason, I think it's time. God, I let you go. I wondered when you I were really, going to tell him, Paul. This is, I, let's, I think it would be helpful if we model that for people on the podcast right now. <laughs> but but you're right. There are seasons. And and I again, I've, I've learned to be more comfortable with that as well, that just some things do shift and some things do change uh, because time is precious. And um, it's not all about the value that they bring me, but it, it, for me it is about, yeah, you have limited bandwidth and connection and – um, there have been friendships over the years that have kind of drifted away. No drama, no conflict. It's just changed. And uh, again, the older I get, the more at peace I am with that as well, that migration. I can't keep, I think that's why I used to find some of the social media so exhausting is I, I just can't keep up with all of it. And I, I want that that deeper quality. So I, I have a question here to throw out to both of you. So I think a lot of our listeners are probably saying, hey, I, I just would love to have a friend. How do I find a friend, especially during COVID times? What are some of your thoughts around you know, building friendships for a lot of us who it may be difficult to do that or feel like now with COVID, we can't, you know, we don't have the same opportunities to build those friendships? And I was thinking about this because good grief, uh, just people's lives, a sense of lives being on hold in this time. And as, as you were mentioned before, then there's the natural places we used to bump into each other, but you're right. We going back to kind of taking backtracking on what I said, I think 
the digital world is a place that we've got to connect with and and find that place more than ever and um, and finding that place of affinity because we don't have as much access to those natural uh, water cooler moments, maybe the sports clubs or, or whatever it is, the, those hobby groups. So I think that platform of, of social connection and social media, the dial is turning up and my sense is that's going to be more and more important. And it has been a lifeline to me like this past year. If I look at the usage on my phone, I mean, it's ridiculous, but it has been a huge lifeline to me uh, in order to maintain uh, those relationships. So I, I don't think we can shy away from it. And, and, and saying that I've been really encouraged because I know loneliness for the elderly in particular is, is, a, is, is a huge issue. And I've loved seeing my parents get more familiar and comfortable with technology and so, social media connection because I can see one of the benefits of this horrible situation is that they will be more comfortable in that world to reach out, to make connection, and for us to connect with them as well. That's some initial thought, at least I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would agree with that totally and build on it because I, I was last year feeling very isolated. And for someone who I do feel like I have a lot of friends, now whether they're all the deepest level of friendship, I'm not so sure. Th this idea of having a podcast was really about saying, I need to talk more often with my friends. I need to, to connect more often with my friends. And I need a, a vehicle to even uh, open up opportunities to speak to new people. And, and now for me, it was this, I mean, and I'm not suggesting that everybody should create a podcast just to speak to their friends. But I do think it is about finding a mechanism to reach out to people and a reason to have those conversations that we used to have randomly, that they're just not happening in that random way anymore. And we've got yeah. to, to reach out and create the opportunities to have them. Just that thing you said, and that requires vulnerability. Like you say, anything I'm seeing, and I could be wrong, and Chris, you can correct me, but I think this is a pressing issue, like you say. And I think perhaps we could feel a little vulnerable saying, I need more friends. Like I, I could see that being a vulnerable place. But just acknowledging that, I think there's something powerful there and just just uh, acknowledging that we and being intentional about it, uh, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to be embarrassed about. And I do think that there are people out there that are wanting to meet us in that place. I, I, you know, I think we're going to be surprised that if we are feeling that isolation, loneliness, I want more friendship. Well, it's it sounds a little bit twisted, but the good news is there's other people feeling the same thing who are ready to meet us and to connect. And we may be surprised by the openness and receptivity. Yeah, and I, I agree, Paul. And I think when you say being vulnerable, we have to realize that, especially for the listeners, that it is hard that our, like you said earlier, the fifth, the fifth grader or grade five individual comes out thinking, am I gonna be liked? Am I gonna be accepted? Uh, you just have to take that step. You have to find a hobby, whether it be online or do just any hobby you like, find people who are similar and take that step and you're going to find them. They're, they're, they're wanting exactly what you're wanting as well, both male and female. Yeah, and, and you know what, Chris? I, I think it doesn't even have to be something that requires a lot of skill. I was thinking as you were speaking about my wife, um, who for, for some reason a couple of years ago got into Pokemon Go. And I was amazed that, you know, everywhere we went, there was some group that she could connect with, mm. that she, you know, went and did some 
crazy catching Pokemon thing. Um, and so it's not like you have to be um, picking up a particular sport or something. There are there are lots of avenues for finding people with similar interests. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. And and also one, one of the thread that occurred to me, because as we've said, this is a challenging time, but this isn't forever. And so, you know, if if listeners right now are feeling that absence, uh, abs- absence rather of uh, that friendship and connectivity, having something to look forward to, like Jason and I had talked uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a road trip, like when this is over and we started talking about doing a road trip together. And I think about that, like that to me has been an anchoring point at times when I've been feeling really isolated. But that for me has been a, an anchoring point to say, okay, I, he, I, I, life is going to allow us to do something like that again. And the thought of doing that with my buddy, Jason, and that, that has given me some real energy. So even if you're not able to perhaps find the immediate benefits, you know, looking forward, anticipating, I think can offer some, some energy to tide us over as well. Yeah. Now, look, um, fellas, I could keep talking all night long about this stuff with, with two of my favorite people to my favorite friends just thinking if there were one piece of advice that uh, you would give to the beginner in building enduring friendships what would that word or sentence of wisdom be yeah um, I think the vulnerability thing is is key and talk about things you care about uh, you know we, we do an activity called uh, that these two are very familiar with loves hopes fears and just being willing to explore that space. I, I love the fun stuff. I love the lighthearted stuff. Uh, sometimes I want to do mindless fun, but uh, go deep, go deep, share, share something you care about and matters. And I think you will find someone, I was on a session today and someone used that phrase. It's like, they, they will meet you there. You'll find them there. That people often find powerful connection and they can do it quite quickly when we're willing to be vulnerable and when we're willing to be intentional. Yeah. And it doesn't take a lot of vulnerability, right? It's not like we have to be massively vulnerable, share that deep, dark secret that we've been holding on to for 25 years. We just need to be a little bit vulnerable, a little bit more open, a bit more honest, and a, a bit more sharing, and just take that little little risk. How about you, Chris? I, I would say take the first step. Take the first step, and then put everything Paul just said, put that into play, because everybody's waiting for someone else to take the first step. Love it. Paul, it has been an absolute pleasure having you in this conversation and we absolutely picked the right man for this particular topic. Uh, Thanks for being part of this and make sure you come back and we'll find something else to talk about. Thanks, friends. Looking forward to it. Good talking to you, Paul. Take care. Well, uh, Chris, as usual, what a bloody lovely conversation with that uh, beautiful young man, Paul Morris. Uh, what are you thinking? I'm telling you, that that could not be counted as work. I hope everybody gets to have an opportunity to have a friend like Paul or a friend like Jason. You know, sometimes you bump into them and then sometimes you just have to work hard to find them, but they're well worth it. And it's fun to get together. I mean, you could just tell. It's just fun to get together and talk and, and share ideas. So. Yeah, it really did reinforce this idea of who are the people in your life that have got your back? Who are the people that uh, you would call on and would call on you, of course? Am I investing enough 
in those relationships. So that's my question and, and my thought for the week is just to make sure that in these times where it's so easy to feel isolated and so easy to not reach out, uh, to make sure that I am the one that reaches out. I'm going to do, I'm going to do the same. Actually, I'm going to do that exact same thing. Let's do this again next week. All right. Have a good week. You too. See you, buddy. Thank you.